Welcome back. We're in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Let's go. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt, also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. All right, so back to verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Um, Noah is mentioned 50 times in 11 different books of the Bible, right? So he's an important figure in the Bible. These are not fictional stories or parables. The story of Noah and the flood were real and actually occurred. Be reminded that Abraham came from the line of Noah, and so did you. All of us came from the line of Adam and Eve. And we all came from the line of Noah and his wife. We know these stories are true. You can uh, test them against the rest of the Bible, which we know to be true. Jesus referred to the stories in Genesis many, many, many times. So if he believed them to be true, then we must believe them to be true. He never once referred to them as being a parable or a story. You'll hear that in some churches and some denominations, and it is wrong. If you think that the Bible's, the stories of Genesis are just there to teach you a lesson but didn't actually occur like a parable or something like that, no. There are parables in the Bible that you'll find in the Gospels particularly, but you're not going to find those in Genesis. You're going to find true stories. Uh, Jonah and the whale and uh, stuff like that in other books of the Bible as well. So uh, just let's get that straight right out of the box. It says, Noah was a just man. Just means righteous, and this is the first time this word is used in the Bible. By faith, Noah was credited with righteousness. We talked about this yesterday. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is according to faith. Let's dig into that a little bit. So by faith, Noah. Noah did this by faith. He did the works because of his faith in God. And you want to do the works because of your faith in God and your love for God. Not because your works get you salvation. Your faith is what gets you salvation, accepting that free gift. The works are simply a byproduct. They are the fruit, not the root. They are something that you get to do, not something that you have to do. It says, By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen. He had not yet seen a storm like this. In fact, he had never even seen it rain. It had never rained upon the earth ever up to the point of the flood. So they're like, what? You know, he's doing this by faith. It had never rained, and he's like, build a boat. He's like, what's what's that? And, and what do we need that for? Rain? What, what are you talking about? But he had faith in God, and it says he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. We'll talk about that. Who gets on the boat? It says, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous, which is according to faith. So the only righteousness that God will accept is the righteousness of Jesus Christ, his son. How do we know that? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, we don't become righteous when we accept Christ. We are declared to be righteous. We are not righteous. We can't be righteous. We can't be perfect and sinless because we've already sinned. And the most we could do is just cover it up with some good works. But God put it away with the blood of his son, Jesus he atoned for our sin. That's what his, he did with his death on the cross. And 
the shedding of blood is required for their remission of sin. And the way to do that, to put it away forever, is to be the sinless and holy Son of God who dies on the cross in our stead. And so we're just declared righteous. And then it uses the word perfect. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Warren Wearsby, I'll just read this. He says, If righteous describes Noah's standing before God, then blameless or perfect describes his conduct before people. Um, the, the word in the version that Warren Wearsby looked at was blameless, so perfect or blameless, think of that. He says, blameless doesn't mean sinless, because nobody but Jesus ever lived a sinless life on this earth. We know that from 1 Peter 2, 21 and 22. The word means, this word righteous or perfect, means having integrity, whole, unblemished. It was used to describe the animals acceptable to God for sacrifice. Noah's conduct was such that his neighbors could not find fault with him. So you're declared righteous with your standing before God because Jesus, he, he looks and he sees Jesus. Jesus is your counselor and that's what he sees. He, he covers you with his blood and so you're declared righteous. But this perfect, this blameless is before your peers. It is not that you're sinless. It is basically saying if you're going out all the time and you're getting drunk and you're looking at pornography and you're bragging about having sex with you know someone that's not your wife and you're you know stealing or lying or doing all this you're, you're boasting about it you're putting your name on buildings stuff like that and, and you hold yourself out to be a christian people are going to look at you and say that guy mm, no i don't want to be in that part of that religion so we want to live a life that encourages people that leads them and draws them to this to this you've met those few people in your life it's not a whole lot of them, but those few people where you're just like, there's something different about this person. This person is very joyful. This person is very peaceful. Or this person has gone through a lot. I mean, a ton of trials, and I've just watched them. They've done amazing. Um, and, and then it just encourages them to, to us to ask that person, you know, how do you do it? What, do you, what, what leads you? What guides you? How do you have this joy, this peace? How do you have this perseverance during these trials? And that's what we want to have. It says, Noah walked with God. The term walked with God is only used to describe two people in all of the Bible. Here, Noah, and previously, Enoch, in 5.22. We know that Enoch was uh, rescued, right? So he, Enoch went to heaven without dying. He went up into the air. Enoch was rescued from the coming judgment, while Noah was protected during and through the judgment. Enoch is a picture of the church that is to be raptured. Noah is symbolic of those who persevere and are delivered, for example, those who accept Jesus during the tribulation and survive to, to live during the millennial kingdom. Think of the term walk. How does a baby learn to walk? One step at a time. How do you learn to walk with God? One step of faith and obedience at a time. Just as a baby wants to walk everywhere once they learn to walk, right? It's the cutest thing in the world. They're just going all around the house until they... Your kid starts running all around your house. You're like, ah, I don't want him to walk anymore for a moment. Um, so too, should a Christian want this, right? A Christian should want to walk with God daily and then to take God every with them and then to learn to run with him and to tor towards him at all times. So think about your walk and your run with Jesus. And if you don't have one, start walking with him one step at a time, one baby step with Jesus at a time. He'll be there for you, I promise. And then in verse 12, it says, So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt. So God looked. He sees all and lives in the past, present, and future. 
at the same time. But from a human time perspective, here it was time for God to do something about the sinful decisions of man. I recently had someone ask me, why doesn't God just take away sin and evil? Well, here is the perfect situational answer to that question. God did do away with all people who have given themselves over to sin, and yet sin did not go away, but instead people were again tempted after the flood. Does that make sense? Right, here's this age-old question. If there's a God, and trust me, we've all asked this, and I, and I kind of say it in a different voice because a lot of people ask it from an arrogant perspective rather than a I actually want to learn the answer perspective. A lot of people say, if there's a God, how could he allow this evil? If there's a loving God, how could he send me to hell, right? And here's one of the ways to answer it right here is that sin doesn't go away just because he just because sinful, sinful people go away. This earth, everything in it, is now corrupted by sin because of what happened in the garden and because of our free will where people after that willingly chose to sin again and again and again. So you've got an imputed sin, which is the inherited sin through the generations. We got all the way back from Adam and Eve. And then you've got the sin that we just do on our own, that we do daily, where we get greedy, uh, jealous, covetous, uh, there's adultery, there's murder. What, what is murder? That can just be as simple as think, uh, having anger for someone in your heart, uh, being mad at someone. All of those things are sin. And you can get rid of all the sinful people, right? So, of course, Noah and, and his family were sinners too, but by faith they were credited with righteousness. They trusted God, but everybody else was continually sinning on the earth. God wiped them out, and yet sin still came. And you'll, we'll study here in a couple of days even when they got off the boat, almost almost immediately once they got off the boat, sin presented itself again and manifested uh, through someone's decisions, right? So it doesn't go away. It's going to be here. And as much as I love Jesus, I still sin. I live in this fleshly body. Paul said, "Is uh, my spirit is willing, the spirit is willing, but my flesh is weak, right? We live in this body. The old is gone, the new is here, but wish the new is still in this in this." Um, flesh, right? We still live in this flesh. Yes, it's the temple of God, but we have defiled it with sin over the ages, and we do it ourselves. So how does that answer that question? Well, how does a God allow evil, or why doesn't you know he just do away with sin and take us all to heaven or whatever? Well, there's still people who need to come to Jesus, and God's being incredibly patient and long-suffering with them, waiting for them to come. Maybe the next last person to come to Jesus will be today, and then we'll get raptured. Maybe it'll be a thousand years from now, and then they'll get raptured. I don't know. Um, I think it's coming soon, in the next you know couple of years or decades, um, based on my just my perspective, but don't take that for to try to pick a day because God tells us we can't pick a day. He's going to come like a, a thief in the night and doesn't want us to know that day. Why does he not want us to know the day? He doesn't want us to know the day because then we could be on a countdown. We could be like, well, if it's going to happen on March 2nd, then I'm going to live a hedonistic life until March 1st, and then I'm going to get right in the last five minutes with God and confess my sins and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. No, it doesn't work that way. He doesn't tell us because he wants us to walk by faith and obedience our whole life whether we live one more minute or a hundred more years or whatever the case may be. So, um, and then the other, I kind of broached the subject, so I'll just finish it. The other age-old question is, how does God send, you know, loving God send people to hell? God doesn't send people to hell. Remember, he didn't make the make hell for people. He made it for the devil uh, because he knew that the devil was going to rebel and he needed a place for him to be punished eternally, separated from God. 
and people choose to see to follow uh, the devil. They follow the ways of the devil. You've actually got devil worshipers who literally worship the devil. Then you've got everybody else who, through their hatred, animosity, resentment, or rejection of Christ, or all of the above, um, choose not to be with God. It's a free will decision. We're not robots. He doesn't want to force us to love him, just like we can't force a robot to love us. You can't even force a person to love love you. you got to earn their love and their trust and respect. And he sent this love letter to communicate it. He's given us general revelation. We can look around at the, the hills, the mountains, the flowers, the trees, the waterfalls, the sky, the just space in general, everything, and just be like, wow, this is amazing. And obviously there's a creator because this didn't create itself and it didn't come from nothing because that's a scientific impossibility. And so people choose to follow Satan to hell. God just sits there and says, my arms are wide open. All you have to do is choose me and you get to have eternal life in paradise and in heaven. So Lord, help us to love you today. Help us to do good works, not to save us, but because we're saved. Help us to do those good works so that we have the opportunity to tell people about Jesus. It's the show and tell. Help us with that, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all that you've created. Help us to be wonderful stewards of what you've given us, to use the gifts that you've bestowed upon each of us that are each different, uh, that we would use them for your glory, not for our glory. In your amazing name, amen. Everybody have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening to Daily Verse by Verse. We want you to be prepared in season and out of season to study the whole counsel of God so that you can share with people who Jesus is through your actions so that you have the right to tell them who Jesus is so that they can come to know Jesus or come to know Jesus better. We strongly encourage you to share this message, this podcast on your social media, Facebook, Instagram, message, email someone who you think could benefit from it. It's an easy way for you to go out and witness to the world just by sharing this podcast. We hope you'll join us tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.